Welcome to the After Credits Podcast, where we talk about the movies and the TV shows you love, even if we don't exactly love them. In this episode of the After Credits Podcast, we will be talking all about Game of Thrones Season 7, its finale and predictions for Season 8. Stay tuned. I'm your host, Franco Dajla. Joining me today is... Rafi Rodas. And Nigel Aquino. And we just watched Episode 7 for Game of Thrones Season 7, so... Man, was that a great episode. Uh, 80 minutes long, lots of scenes to discuss. Uh, let's let's start off first with the dragon pit scene. Uh, Nigel, why don't you run us through what happened there? Okay, so at the end of the last episode, we, we know that all three major leaders of all of the major factions in the in currently vying for the Iron Throne in Westeros are all meeting together to discuss the northern threat which is the army of the undead coming to slaughter all of the entire land of the living. So we see uh, that Jon Snow and Daenerys Targaryen and, um, and the council of Daenerys Targaryen arrive together with no sign of Danny, so we don't know where she is. And then we see them meet with the Lannister party where Brienne of Tarth and Podrick Payne have arrived to represent the Lady of Winterfell, Sansa Stark. So we, we go there. There's a lot of like uh, meeting up of old friends and old enemies. We see Brienne and the Hound talk about how he how she almost killed him and how he's not dead. Uh, we see uh, the the unification of the trio of Bronn, Podrick, and Tyrion, and there's a, bro- there's a bromance there. Um, we see uh, some longing looks between Jaime Lannister and Brienne of Tarth. Um, and then, we, and then the big kicker is when Cersei arrives, and literally ninety percent of everyone in that dragon pit hates her guts, and you can see it. And, uh, and then we see, and then, and then uh, even a bigger kicker, we see Danny arrive on the backs of her dragons, and it's it's like fucking a mic drop entrance of a fucking dragon that can kill everyone in that pit coming in, coming into coming into view, and she climbs off. Um, there's even more uh, posturing between all of them. Like, uh, we see Sander and Gregor do their Clegane weigh-in for the Clegane Bowl. Um, and uh, the, there's and there's even more posturing between Theon Greyjoy and Euron Greyjoy, where uh, Euron's threatening to kill Yara if Theon doesn't submit right then and there. Uh, Tyrion uh, is trying to start things off without getting everyone killed. We notice the tension is so thick that it seems like it's five seconds away from complete and utter violence, killing ev- and them everyone killing each other. Uh, and then the 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 they bring out the white that they managed to capture in north of the wall, and it, you see it in everyone's faces that. Everyone, everyone suddenly understands what's coming for them. What the all the undead coming, all the monsters from their uh, bedtime stories coming are are coming down from the north and going to kill everyone. Yeah, Rafi, what were your thoughts there on that scene? I mean, it's a whole mix of satisfaction on our part mm-hmm. and awkwardness for the characters. I mean, there there are these lots of um, interactions between the characters, as you mentioned that. Um, well, we know our present because of previous episodes like uh, 
Euron and Theon, which is kind of weird, I think, that <laughs> Euron would just suddenly say something to Theon in the middle of everything, and and uh, the hound would go up to to uh, to the mountain <laughs> randomly and talk to him <laughs> while everyone else watched. I mean, was it really? Aw- I mean, for for us, it, it, it's 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 like, oh yeah. I mean, that's, it makes sense because you know we we know their relationship, we know their history. But then I think um, in the context of everyone else and. In the dragon pits, I, I bet they're all thinking, "What? What is happening?" Actually, I don't. I actually don't think that because everyone there knows the, all their relationships between each other. We know they know that the Cleganes are brothers and hate each other. They know that Greyjoys they hate the fuck out of each other too. Uh, it's just that. But that's not the point where they're there. They're there. Yeah. <laughs> no. Mainly because of the negotiations between well, Danny dis- and I, I disagree because the reason Greyjoy is there is just you know. Is just to fuck with everyone else. And That's like the entire point of his character is to fuck with you. And from a storyline perspective, what's the point of this if not for setup for season eight? This whole episode was a setup for season eight, actually. I mean, think about it. Mm, yeah, yeah, I don't disagree. Had a lot of plot points. You, you're going to have the, the Greyjoy rescue, the Clegane Bowl, hopefully. <laughs> oh my god. The, the eventual battle in the south and the north. And this Dragon Pit scene was amazing. Uh, mm. How did you find the acting there? Like, uh, like especially between like Cersei, Tyrion, and Jaime, their dynamics there, especially with Jon Snow talking about uh, Danny right there. How how do you find the performances of these guys? As usual, masterfully done. Tyrion, um, Cersei. You, you can always you, you can always sense when there's gonna be a um, iconic Cersei smirk in the next few seconds. You can always tell when Jon is gonna brood or like when. When Tyrion is gonna say something, whatever. Uh, I, I mean, these um, we've gotten so used to these characters that for me it's amazing how well you know they've these actors have grown with their characters over the years. For them to you know um, meet in this one stage, I mean, it's pretty amazing for me. I mean, um, we, we know all these characters all the way like how many years ago? Seven, mm. seven, eight years ago. More. More, yeah. And then they they've 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 met in this in, in in this episode and it's Yeah, that's actually a big thing about this season in general. This is pay we're getting the audience is getting a lot of payoff because a lot of characters that have had separate storylines for over eight years have n- are now actually intersecting with one another all the storylines are starting to come together and that's always that's always really satisfying from an audience perspective from uh, an acting standpoint yeah this is standard game of thrones really really good um uh, a big standout in my mind was probably uh the several of the more bit characters like the hound and brawn two of my favorite characters by the way, it's just they, they they started to like come together a little more. Like we starting to see their storylines progress outside of the larger perspective of the war with the undead. Yeah, and like Braun actually had like a deep thought, especially at the start of the scene, at the start of the episode where he was talking about the unsullied army. What, oh, are, they, what are you fighting for if not for girls? And if you don't have a dick or cock, like. What's the whole purpose? Like you can't have a family and all that. It's kind of sad, actually, when you what think mean, about it. Kinda. That's I don't know. Kinda seems like an understatement. It's been sad from the start. Yeah. The, the entire story of Vansali is just a whole. It's a whole story of human trafficking, uh, abuse of children, and throwing them into war. They were all basically child soldiers. 
Yeah, and then uh, of course Braun has that reunion with Podrick. Oh man, that which was he references the magic copy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but there were lots of crazy reunions. But like one thing I want to talk about, I want to highlight here is the like the three main characters in the story, uh, in the story of Game of Thrones, which is uh, Cersei, John, and Daenerys. You never, especially with Cersei, you never see Cersei interact with John. You never see Cersei interact with Daenerys. Uh, before, yeah. but right now this, this is a very interesting dynamic. How surprised were you when John decided to uh, verbally bend the knee to Daenerys? Not, not really, because I'm not honestly not really surprised given who he is—an idiot, an honorable idiot. Because oh, it's so stupid doing that in public. I mean, I guess fucking make your. I don't. I don't. Uh, I, this is one of my like small issues with the writing of this season. It doesn't really make sense for him to verbally say it, even even with the um, even given his character. Like I, I mean, this is just a a scene trying to show that he's more and more like Ned Stark, who who's honorable to a fault, and this is to a lot to a really big fault because. They could have they could have had everything, but Cersei, uh, but you know he doesn't want to. Yeah. How, also, what's your take on that? Rafi? Also, like I I I wish their group would have prepared more for this meeting. I mean, of 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 course they got a they got a white and everything, but then Tyrion knows his sister. He probably should have known that Cersei would have asked John not to fight against him when this great war was done or something, right? I mean. To me, a, a bit more preparation could have been... I mean, I, I, I think Tyrion and Jon should have spoke beforehand, mm. right? I, I mean, that would, um, that would have avoided this whole, this whole thing. Yeah, that's a big weakness of the show so far. Weak, weak writing. Like, they keep writing themselves into corner when they don't really need to, you know? Like, like, in the, like the whole white thing. Yeah. That, that, that wasn't needed. That wasn't really needed. I no, mean, not really. The, because, like, like, I agree with da- Danny when she says, you have to see it to really believe it. Yeah, but they didn't have to go by themselves to get a white just for Daenerys. I mean, an- another, I, I, I don't know, like, a- another thing could have been done for Danny to have seen the Night's King, for Danny to have seen the whites. I mean, they didn't have to go on the stupid suicide mission back in episode, was it, six? Yeah. Yeah. There, there was a Reddit thread once that was talking about like a better version of it where they tried to convince uh, Cersei beforehand about the night, the Night King, and then Cersei brings Jaime along with them to the north, and Jaime sees it. Uh, that doesn't make Imagine sense. Imagine Jaime fi- in the in that scene where they were like cap- trying to capture the White together, or at least seeing the the army, and they just run away. You still get that scene where like the Night King can ambush Daenerys, but then like it's Jamie that's plays a more focal point to it, mm. and how he can he's really more affected by the white because like in reality you only see one white, and mm. which was scary in itself. The, the the animation there was good, the way they demonstrated how like how undead and how like yeah how like rabid it is how dangerous just one of them is. Uh, I mean even then that's a little weakness because. It's unlikely that Cersei would even allow that, so they might have to kidnap him, and then they might have to kidnap him. But like, th- that's all 
hypothetical anyway. The, the, this is where we are right now. And um, it, it kind of makes sense, like, poor preparation on the part of Tyrion in preparing John for the meeting, in preparing everyone for that meeting, but in I mean, any really, case, come on, the only thing they had was the white. The white is pretty convincing. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, but Cersei, you have to understand Cersei. Tyrion yeah, knows Cersei very. I mean, Cersei has a lots of lot, lots of layers. She she's not so simple as you know. We she, keep underestimating how stupid she is, because you know. Be, okay, because as we know that she does agree, to, she does verbally agree to their faces to send the, the Lannister forces to aid them in the north. But then we find out later that that was all just bullshit, yeah. and she just wants them to. It kill was each actually other. Tyrion that read the scene really well, especially like Tyrion made up for it by a meeting with Cersei. You kind of skipped along that part, Nigel. Yeah. I love that scene. I mean, that shows like how brave Tyrion is, and it, it also shows like you know uh, an, another level of of uh, of acting to to Peter Dinklage. How how he's, he was screaming to the mountain, "Do it, do it!" It was I don't know, man. I mean, for me, that was one of the best scenes in this episode. Yeah, it was reminiscent of when Tyrion was speaking to Tywin in his trial. Especially that scene, like the fact that Tyrion discovered that Cersei was pregnant, that's very nice. Uh, mm. Yeah, like how like well it was, well we we as an audience knew that she was pregnant, but like Tyrion offering the wine, Cersei having her hand rubbing her belly like multiple times. Mm. Yeah, it was it was a good read by Tyrion, especially the first time seeing Cersei. Mm. And uh, well, Cersei eventually agrees to it, but then like in the in later on we find out that. She's actually sending Euron to go to the Essos and hire the Golden Company, uh, just to like create an ar- create a bigger army to take care of the rest of the forces once the dead invade everyone. What what do you think about that, Nigel? Stupid. Why? Because if the dead win, they'll they'll get all the dead people that they killed and then put them part of their army, because everyone who dies becomes part of their army. So. The reasoning doesn't really make sense because them grinding each other down leads to the dead winning anyway. So, and there's no amount of army that they can field that will let them win because the army will just grow larger the more they fight. Yeah, I think it's like Cersei doesn't have the perspective of that. I mean, Jon Snow has that perspective where you see in uh, in Hard Home where Jon Snow sees the army, the the Night King just raise up a new army. I think like you need Cersei to kind of see that as well, and like to see your logic in it. Yeah, the the, the that's the thing eh? because uh, that like I'm going back to what Danny said that you really have to see it to believe it, and while she has seen one white, she hasn't really seen it, and so uh, unlike maybe unlike her brother who uh, who can see the the that. What whatever their position, they really need. They really have to fight because the other choice is just certain death. However, Cersei is still stuck within the regular with the regular person's perspective. She's seen the monsters. She still doesn't really see them as changing much. When in fact, they've changed everything at this point. Yeah. What What do you think, Rafi? I actually agree with what Nigel said because it it really depends on you know the context of your of your situation. Cersei's context, you know, I mean. She's seen one white, but she hasn't seen it from Jon Snow's context when they're, when hundreds of them are coming at you, when hundreds of them want to kill you, and when you see the towering figures of the of the 
what is it? The the yeah. Knights King with 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 his with his what is it? Generals um, on on horseback there up up on mountains. She hasn't experienced that yet. Which is another reason why I think they should have prepared more for this. I mean, I I really think and I I I really thought thought this. Like I mean, even last week, um, they won't convince Cersei with one white. Mm. It doesn't compare to the experience of what Jon Snow had in Hardhome and in uh, uh, the Frozen Lake. Mm, that's a, but then they, they now they've kind of written themselves into a corner because there's no really viable scenario yeah. for them to get Cersei North. Except, except for Jon to give an awesome speech. For centuries, our families fought together against their common enemy. Despite their differences, together. We need to do the same if we're going to survive. Because the enemy is real. It's always been real. I think, I think Jon Snow needed those trumpets and background music as he's delivering the speech. <laughs> so it would be more convincing <laughs> for Cersei. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Yeah, but in the end, like Cersei, uh, quote unquote, pledges to serve, and they, they, they get, we walk away with it. Uh, let's move on to the Winterfell scene where uh, you see like Littlefinger talking to Sansa about how Arya's a traitor, why she could be, why she came back to Winterfell, what's the worst possible situation. I mean, it's from Littlefinger's perspective, it's actually kind of. It was actually kind of going his way, right? From his perspective, he thought yeah. like Sansa thought Arya is going to be a traitor and all that, that she should be killed or she should be banished or something. And like how she's a different person after joining the Faceless Men. Uh, what did you think of that monologue between, that scene between just Littlefinger and uh, Sansa? I mean, it, 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 it's not only from his perspective, it was also from our perspective. We thought everything was going Littlefinger's way. People were even criticizing the writing because it was so out of character for for um, Arya to think that Sansa was really betraying their family. It was super out of character. They're both smarter than that. Even Sa- even for for Arya and 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 you know it's Sansa. I mean, I mean, it, 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 <laughs> so many critics have put so much um, bad stuff on, on on the on the Winterfell scenes. I mean, but then this this episode really and it really turned the tables. Uh, although. Even then, I think it's weak writing for them to make us think that because, like, because because by making because saying she was out of character because she was pretending that that to in order to trap Peter Baelish into revealing his true his true like allegiances, it because it made all of her character all of her all of her act all of, all of her actions before episode seven look weird because it turns out she was pretending all along uh, that seems that seems like weak writing to me i i would have finally found it more interesting if we were shown that they were planning this from the start and we, we can see we can actually see Sansa and Arya actually helping each other from behind the scenes but i I, I would have found that far more interesting but that would have diminished the impact of the trial scene this, yeah, I mean, the suspense of yeah. thinking that Arya was going to get killed. I think they wrote that ending first and figured out the way right, to like right, reach that ending. Right. Although I do agree with you on a certain extent, 
Like, I mean, um, because of that, so many people criticize the previous episodes. But then, at the same time, I can't help but think that this twist, that the trial was really for Peter Baelish, I mean, I can't help but feel satisfied. I, I just don't think it's a good payoff to make six episodes look bad for one scene. You know? Yeah. That's what I, I, know, I know, I know, but I know. I just think they had to end that little finger like politics sequence because right now like this whole this whole series isn't really about politics anymore it's more about survival like the only politics you could only have is like the politics in King's Landing you can't have Peter Baelish's own agenda they also hmm. neutered Varys agenda well Varys is already neutered anyway so like uh, especially in the books where Varys had his own like Targaryen bastard or something to, to join him but that's another story that the writers did not talk, the the show creators didn't touch on. So it's really all about just the war in the north. Uh, another thing that happens in Winterfell after the after Littlefinger's execution was uh, Samuel Tarly mm-hmm. returning to Winterfell and talking to Bran about Jon Snow's uh, Jon Snow's uh, heritage. Yeah, that that was really cool. Like it was a really cool. But okay, it's it's a really cool sequence to like. Really confirm, confirm that uh, John John is actually the heir to the Iron Throne because it's already like in a lot of people's minds it was already confirmed since the reveal at the end of season five or six. When was it revealed? Season Episode six. No, season no. six. Season six. The, the the finale of season six when yeah. our when Rhaegar and Lyanna were confirmed to be the parents of John, and then in episode. Six, where it was confirmed that Rhaegar, that Rhaegar had had his marriage, was uh, legitimately married to Lyanna. So it's been confirmed since then. It's just this episode is just like spelling it out for everyone else who had still had doubts. Because I remember when the the Tower of Dane, no, no, what was the name of the tower? Tower of Joy. When, when the Tower of Joy scene happened, a lot of people were still doubting that. Are, yeah. That 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 it was a confirmation because they didn't say it. Yeah, and they weren't wed, so technically it was still a bastard. He's still a child. bastard. Yeah, I mean it, it was pretty funny though how how like Bran there was the whole build up and his land last name is Sand. What? Sand. <laughs> <laughs> and all, all this was like what? Until until Sam apparently was listening to Gilly. And uh, yeah, and he actually knew been, that it would have been funny was, if it was in High Garden. <laughs> He'd be John Flowers. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's true. Like it's uh, in Dornet Sand. It's in High, High Garden. Garden flowers. It's flowers. It's Winter actually snow. different for uh, Targaryen bastards. Actually, if they were born in Dragonstone, they'd be uh, Stormborn. No, 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 no. What? No. <laughs> Storm. Skywalker. Mm. What? No, Sky? In, no. In in the Stormlands, it would be uh, Waters. John Gendry, Waters. Gendry is Gendry Waters. Oh. Yeah. That's cool. I think waters. so. Waters. Yeah, because it's they're 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 big they're yeah. they're water fairing. And then as uh, Brand confirms the wedding, we right. get to see the parallel of John and Daenerys have epic boat sex. <laughs> Aunt. <laughs> oh. Aunt okay. And nephew. Well, I don't know. Like. A lot of people are just like mad about this because of the incest thing. I don't know. Well, here's the scientific 
like element to it because because of the inbreeding among the Targaryens, like someone calculated that if the Targaryens were pure Targaryens, like and Jon Snow is like, yeah, Jon Snow is like fifty six percent genetically identical to Daenerys, which is worse than fifty percent to your sister. <laughs> okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean it's just that. I don't know if people sh- have any reason to get mad because incest has been a big, big part of Game of Thrones since season episode one. So I don't know if you've been here this long. Can you get mad? I'm more worried about your laughter, Nigel. When <laughs> incest, and then you. <laughs> I mean, it was so. <laughs> well, it would be what? It'd be funny if their Are kid. Are you surprised though? It'd be funny if their kid ended up like Joffrey. <laughs> it's just like that's just, just a, the whole like just a little the seven kingdom just ruined by this one guy. But then, come on, what are the outcomes that can come out of this? I mean, supposing John, supposing Daenerys wins the Iron Throne and he knows already he's a Targaryen, how 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 will the, how will Daenerys feel? You know, when she, when when she knows that when she when she finds out that John John is the true heir to the Iron Throne. And at the same time, she's having, she's sleeping with him. Mm. I mean, it adds a whole new dimension of storyline here. The the incest would probably, uh, John John would probably find more issue with the incest than she will because she's a Targaryen. Mm. That's a really big thing. She he'd have to get over the fact that he's fucking his niece. So and because like in the north, incest is kind of really frowned his aunt, upon. Not his niece. Oh, his oh. Cause he's he's the, he he's fucking his aunt. Yeah, I, I yeah. So it's a little it's it's weirder for hit on his side. It's like it's it's more likely that he's gonna stop that when he finds out. However, him finding out that he's a Targaryen, it's actually also fairly fairly likely that he won't give a shit because he's Ned Stark's son. He's not a he's not a he wasn't raised a, a Targaryen. He was raised as a Stark. So. I don't know if he'll care about his heritage unless more people other than him know. Oh yeah, that's true. How are they going to reveal it to Jon Snow? Like, who's gonna tell him? Is it gonna be Bran? Is it gonna be Samuel Tarly? It's probably gonna be Bran and Sam in private. Hopefully, it's gonna be in private. Okay, okay. And then um, another scene we get to is uh, Theon Greyjoy talking to Jon Snow about he's going to rescue Liara and then he has a fight with the one of the Ironborn leaders, Iron Island leaders, about like them questioning him mm. about how he ran away, and then they end up in a fight, and it was actually a decent fight with uh with Theon getting beat up, and then eventually getting kicked in the balls. Uh, what then, balls? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but the the thing is, like, I I'm really not I'm really not emotionally attached to the storyline. I really don't care about Theon Greyjoy. He can fuck off and die for but, all I but care. One funny thing is, because we just we just watched the fight for Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather. <laughs> oh my god! What? And then, like, I, <laughs> you, know, you know, look at the parallels. You know that Ironborn, that Iron Island guy that like was hitting Theon over and over again. Then at the end, he got kind of fatigued. Like Conor McGregor. Didn't oh do my cardio. God. Didn't do cardio. <laughs> Didn't do cardio. He ran out of stamina. And then Theon came in and just... His arms were him. down. He beat him up. He took full mount and just slammed his face down. So that was crazy. Mm. Yeah. 
But I, then, you know, it's it's pure audience satisfaction once again. I mean, it's we see the return of wait, sorry, not re- the I guess I could say the rebirth of Theon Greyjoy. Are there people in the audience who care about Theon Greyjoy? Uh, do you <laughs> care about Theon Greyjoy? <laughs> to a certain extent, yes, Nigel Aquino. To a certain extent. And what? 10% of the audience? I think he's going to die. He's definitely gonna die. There's no redemption for him. Even if the war is over, he's still get, he's definitely gonna get executed. Yeah, nah, no. I think no. like his, his. Well, when you think of, about it from like a plot line, the val the value of people's plot, his plot is the least is the the le- the weakest. Mm. Yeah, because like his his all his plot line is purely personal, like. Even if he gets Yara Greyjoy back, it doesn't really, ha- it won't really have any effect on the major storyline. So, like in my mind, the best possible scenario for him, he gets Yara, they get on the ship, they sail, they sail away to Essos, they end the Westeros forever. Or they intercept the Golden Company. What's one ship gonna do? I don't know. <laughs> Never mind. What do you think, Rafi? Uh, I actually think that. I actually agree with you. Maybe Theon might die. It, 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 it might complete his arc. It would complete his arc if he it gives would... himself like a heroic sacrifice at the very end. Or a right. duel with Euron. I, or I, I, or I, a double team duel. Theon plus the Hound against Euron in the, the mountain. Oh. oh that, could work. that could work. I mean, what other duels are we like looking forward to seeing? Uh, John and the Night King. John and the Night King. Daenerys against the Night King. Daener- oh, John and Daenerys on Grogo. Grogon. And versus Rago. Night King on the on the Oh, that would be awesome! So blue eyes, white dragon versus <laughs> Joey and this red eyes black dragon and Daenerys with no no yeah Daenerys has the red eyes black dragon yeah yeah and Joey has the blue eyes white dragon no, no, like green green dragon green nobody's eyes. blue now right yeah he's blue now the dragon's blue no now. no no, no Rhaegal yeah Rhaegal Rhaegal oh green. Rhaegal might get oh, okay, green. Yeah, blue yeah, eyes yeah. white for the white king. And then the green eyes, green dragon for Daenerys. I <laughs> know, oh, green eyes, green dragon for John. Then red eyes, black <laughs> dragon, <laughs> which is rarer than the blue eyes, white dragon. Really? Yes. Is that is that an actual card? I don't know. It is. Wait, it's an actual card? Red eyes, black dragon. No, no. I I thought you were talking about green eyes, green dragon. There, green eyes, there green is, dragon. But it's not. It wasn't in the anime, but it's a real card. Okay. Or like green eyes or yellow eyes, green dragon. I think yeah, I think that's the right one. No, yeah, because isn't there like a card that uh, Yugi uses? It's like Curse of the Black Dragon or something. No, that's a that's a different one okay. where you where you mesh his summon skull with Red Eyes Black Dragon. Ah, okay. Okay, never mind. We're talking too much about <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Although to stop to stop the Blue Eyes White Dragon, you need to summon Exodia, or like the Chosen Prophecy of Azora High, or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> What in the name of going back to the subject? <laughs> yeah, so like let's, let's, it, let's, it makes sense though. Let's talk about the the prophecies <laughs> right now. So, like, there's still the Azora High prophecy. Who is your favorite though to become that that savior to the realm, the one with the flaming sword? Dude, what if it's Theon? Theon. What if it's Theon? What do you mean? What do you mean? What if it's Theon? What if it's Theon? Why would it be Theon? Because he sacrificed the thing he loved the most, his dick. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that, that's a good analogy. 
Okay, seriously, it no. It could be. I think it's. I like. I like it to be Jamie. Yeah, actually, especially yeah. with Jamie's arc, with him fighting with Cersei at the end, him running away, and then like seeing that snowflake into the into uh, King's Landing. And that was my favorite scene of this whole episode. The the whole Jamie Cersei scene, and then Jamie on horseback alone covering his. Uh, yeah, yeah, just just so everyone knows what that prophecy actually says. There will come a day after a long summer when the stars bleed and the cold breath of darkness falls heavy on the world. In this dread hour, a warrior shall draw from the fire a burning sword. And that sword shall be Lightbringer, the red sword of heroes. And he who clasps it shall be Azor Ahai, come again, and the darkness shall flee before him. So, um, this burning sword is a big fixture in the Lord of Light's theology because when Azor Ahai first came, he 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 forged the sword in the blood of his most of his of the thing he loved most, which, which was, was his wife. Which was his wife. So that's a big thing here because this represents a, a lot of things. Symbolically, it could be the dragons of Daenerys because she forged them in the blood of her of her lover called Drogo. It could be. Uh, well, actually, Jamie killing Cersei. It could be Jamie killing with his Valyrian steel sword. With Valyrian steel sword. It could be a long claw killing the, someone. Could be Arya killing Jon. I'm just pointing what? out like Valyrian sword yeah. plus person they love. Mm. Yeah. It could be who else loves each other? Sam. Sam has a Valyrian. Sam, has Sam killing Gilly. That's not gonna happen. Well. But then I don't think yeah, that. it's too random for it to happen. But it, I, I think, yeah, I, I agree with you, Franco. It has, I think in the context of this whole story, it has to be someone with a Valyrian sword. If if it's really a sword it, and not a dragon. Like I said, it could be a dragon. Right. It makes sense. Right. Burning burning sword, dragon. Uh, yeah. Weapons wielded by Daenerys Targaryen that breathe fire. Yeah. Speaking of other weapons, we have the final scene in this show where it's, you see Tormund and uh, Beric Dondarrion. Wait, wait. Yeah. Regarding Beric Dondarrion, he he definitely loved Thoros of Mir, right? And he bathed it in his blood when he burned the wounds when the polar bear got him. Oh, right. Sh- it could be him. It could be him. His Beric origi- Don- he was the OG. He was the OG. The OG. The OG Azorahai <laughs> with his real flaming sword. But is is his sword the Valyrian steel? Sword? No, 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 it's just no, a regular no. burning just, sword. Ah, okay. I think it'll be too uh, quote unquote obvious if it's. If yeah. it's Beric Dondarrion, Actually, though. no, it wouldn't be obvious cause because everyone he's, thinks he's a false. He's kind of he's been a dis- fake. He's been discounted as a fake for a really long time. Yeah, that'd be cool if it. It'd was. be cool if he was the It'd actual. It'd be a surprise. One, or what if Azor? Yeah, but we don't have as much emotional attachment to him as we do Jamie mm. yeah. or John. Which b- b- puts him as a prime uh, candidate for heroic sacrifice. If it's like uh, if George R. R. Martin doesn't want it to be one of the obvious picks, which George R. R. Martin do- wants. Though, like he he wants it to come by surprise. He doesn't want he doesn't want to liken it to the Lord of the Rings, where like Aragorn is the chosen one and he's the, the king. The thing is, he he actually, I I've read a lot of his interviews that a big theme of the end of this series is going to be is that John and Daenerys are tragic lovers. So and then Daenerys dies at childbirth. Pro, no, I think they both die in the Great War. I don't. I, I, I don't really see either of them surviving because they kind of have, they don't really have a lot of happiness waiting for them at the end of this, you know, even with each other. 
because John's John was brought back by the Lord of Light for something. He's he's an undead. We don't really know what happens to the undead after their purpose has been served. And the Lord of Light brought him back for something. It's probably to prevent the Night King from washing over the world in a in cold undead. Yeah, and we also have to find out what the purpose of the Night King is and what triggered the White Walkers to invade. Mm. That's true. That's true. I mean, we have motivation. We actually have no idea. We'll find out in season eight, though. Although it was, it would have been nice if we learned a bit in season seven, but we'll see again. I mean, like in season six, we learned about how uh, the White the Night King was formed mm. by the Children of the Forest stabbing him with dragon glass. Mm. Uh, okay, so let's talk about the Night King's dragon. So oh, I was so cool. Is it still, it's still called Viserion, right? Let's just call it Viserion. Let's just call yeah. it Viserion. So Viserion comes in with the Night King, tearing down the wall. Actually, like, I'm, I'm, I don't know what, if it's confirmed or not. But did Beric Dondarrion and Tormund just die? We don't see it on collapsed? screen. But how, how can they survive that? But we didn't see it on screen. We though. didn't see the whole wall collapse. Yeah, yeah. It could have been on right. the, the near side or the far side. Or yeah, maybe they were pretty low on the wall already, and then they just managed to survive the debris. The key thing is we didn't see them die. Mm, that's a big. Thing. I think if they died, they would have highlighted them dying. Right, like so, highlight them coming back as undead. For example, the hound. We didn't really see him die, but he came back. Yeah. Yeah. We, well, we didn't see Stannis die. Fine. So he'll be back. We did see Stannis die. Didn't they stab him? Didn't no, it, 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 it cut, cut the black. Yeah, it, it cut the black before Brienne. Which is kind of weird, actually. It's, it's because, actually weird. No, because in the books, Stannis is still alive. Yeah. Really? Yes. Okay. In the books, he's still alive. That's why they didn't want to execute him right away. For the yeah. book. Just for the book readers. <laughs> it just, okay, it just doesn't make sense for him to ever come back. You know? Yeah, it 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 would be pretty pretty weird and pretty random. Like, what what purpose would he serve other than he's probably if they find him, they're probably gonna kill him again. Yeah. All right. So with the white army coming in, uh, with the golden company coming in from the east, uh, what are your predictions for season eight? How do you think the story will come in? Yeah. Uh, uh, like okay. The thing is, they're probably gonna get distracted again by. Cersei in in the south trying who, who's probably going to make a play for them probably attack them from their back or will we see a big scene between Jamie between Jamie Lannister and his army whether they'll choose to follow him or they'll choose to follow Cersei which is going to be another thing and then will will there be a scene where Theon Greyjoy kills Cersei when he rescues Yara it's I think possible. he'll I think you're separated from uh, Theon it could be Theon that discovers that Euron's in uh, going oh, to Essos the, yeah. instead of Pike. Mm, perhaps. And then maybe they'll do a thing where he manages to sabotage the entire Iron Fleet. Yeah, with his 20 good men. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you think... Because a big thing with the Golden Company is that they also have a... They have a purportedly Aegon Targaryen who was the son of Rhaegar with El- Elia Martell. The, in the books, at least, that that's where he is, because uh, that's where... I think it's think too late to introduce yeah. a major character. I think we're just stuck with It'll what be... we have. They didn't introduce any major characters here, right? except they fleshed out Euron a bit more yeah, this season. I, I think Euron is the last, maybe. How, how many episodes do we have next season? We six. Have six episodes six. of two-hour specials yeah. each. That's, that's not enough for, like... For like a new Targaryen to show up, I think. Yeah, there's not. Yeah, a, there still has to be a lot of backstory to flesh out among the 
the main character, especially right. with the Night King. This, yeah, there's not enough. Even if this, do they have time to finish? Because there's two storylines here. There's the Night King and then there's Cersei, the two big bads. Do they have time to take care of both of them in one season? Well, this season has really been speeding things up. Yeah, but then but you so know that's that's one thing I didn't like about this. It's everything's pretty sped up with the. They ta- decided with the, to just throw time and speed right. out of the window. Like I, I wish that they, that they could have put more episodes this season and next season. Mm. But then, you know, six episodes next season. That's pretty indicative of what they want to do. Mm-hmm. They really want to speed things up. They want to get to the big battle mm-hmm. as yeah. soon as possible. And they have budgetary constraints. I mean, for like in defense of like the show writers. Like the book itself, it was setting itself up for a big battle. Yeah. I mean, like, there's going to be a lot of spectacle towards the end, especially in the books. Mm-hmm. So, like, you can see why the where the budget went to. I mean, like, in this season in general, like, uh, I think it achieved its purpose of like showing how strong the Nerys is coming into Westeros, mm-hmm. showing how Cersei can still put up a fight. Yeah. Uh, showing the the army of the undead. It was really just a setup for season eight. And mm-hmm. I think it fulfilled its purpose. What, yeah. what did you think of season seven in general? In general, a lot of payoff. I, I like that it it does it gives a lot of payoff for a lot of more more open storylines. I think the only problem is that I wish they crafted it a little better. But then I'm not a show writer, so what can I say? Rafi, what did you think of season seven? This is a whole setup season, I think, for me. I mean, they were really setting up this big. Big big battle, um, in season eight. But at the same time, um, yeah, I agree with Nigel. There's a lot of payoffs. We see a lot of battles also. Well, maybe only two, three, major battles this season, which which is pretty big compared to you know previous seasons. And at the same time, I, I think they see this, the the writers of this season wanted to focus a lot on. Uh, okay, th- there's a lot of criticism this season as regards to audience satisfaction. Yeah, like they really wanted to satisfy the audience. I mean, a lot of, a lot of um, things in this season really went well for the for the good guys. You know, we see we see Littlefinger being killed by the Starks. We see Daenerys and Jon finally reuniting. Maybe uh, sorry, maybe uni- uniting. Maybe a little bit too much. <laughs> and we see we and anyway my my point is like we we see a lot of stuff we saw a lot of stuff this season that we actually wanted to see and at the same time this show has been criti- has been and is being criticized for it which makes me question do, do we really want these things at all i mean yes the thing is they're giving it to us just by giving it to us we don't see we mm. don't see the actual process of how why it makes sense for that to be given to us right right because the they're, they're, they're showing like a lot of uh point a to point d instead of and not showing us b and c right which, which is the whole framework of the past seasons I, I i think yeah i get where you're coming from the past season showed us okay this is point d how to get there we got from a to b to c to d and maybe we'll show you a little bit of the e yeah and I, I think that's what made last season's pretty, really, really well, and what what made this show the best show on TV, on television right now. Um, it's it's the storyline, it's the plot line, it's the writing. And now I think, well, it's been getting a lot of criticisms of how it, how it kind of fell off that that structure, that framework. Mm-hmm. And 
it's gonna make me question whether it really is or if it's still the Game of Thrones that we know. It's not. It's it's changed a so, lot. Yeah, they're going off the script. They're going off the script. The script was originally the books. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I really think it's George R. R. Martin's fault for taking like more than his usual five years in between books. What do you mean more than this usual five years? This is this is kind of like 20. standard for his <laughs> for his for his writing line. No, like he was on pace. Like originally the books were like three year gap, four year gap. Now it's like a six or seven year gap, which is really annoying. No, yeah, just it, it, the books take as long as they need to be. I don't really mind long writing, and. The thing is, I'm kind of used to this because of anime and manga. When anime gets made while, manga, while the manga is still being written. So the anime is going to get finished faster. So they yeah. got to have to go off script anyway. Perfect example would be like Full Metal Alchemist. Yeah. Where they actually did the thing where the, the anime the writers created the, just created their own ending. Mm. And then they relaunched it again with the, with the book ending. That was more faithful. Yeah. Yeah. So... Do you want another book ending? Would you want like? Do you think? Do you think they will diverge? They have to. They've, they've they they di- will diverge a lot. They've already kind of diverged since season two. Already. But like, well, you know that story where George R. R. Martin told the the show yeah. writers the main points. Yeah. Do you think they're just sticking? There's. Do you think they're sticking to the main points? Yeah. And getting yeah. rid of any of the side characters. Yeah, because uh, yeah, but I'm pretty sure. I think that could be a good plot where like. You focus on the main points for the main season, and then you just have special features for like the plots that George R. R. Martin didn't uh, that didn't show off right now in in his sixth and seventh book. What do you mean special features? Let's say, let's say uh, example Lady Stoneheart. Yeah, they could have done like an alternate timeline with Lady Stoneheart's thing. I guess I don't see them. Fil- I don't see them filming. No, in, that, later though. on, later on, later like on after the whole after uh, the, after season eight is over. Oh, so you mean like, like a spinoff thing? Yeah, like a, like a spinoff featurette mm. thing. Mm, yeah, that's maybe true. maybe not yeah. Lady Stoneheart. Just Stone to Heart do serv- just to do justice and service for like the the characters that the show writers had to cut off for the main story. Ah, uh, I don't see that happening because he, at the end of it, they're still side characters unless they were to remake the entire show. But if, if when all the books have come out, they I can see them remaking the entire show like maybe 10, 15 years down the line. Or, you know, probably less, like five years down the line. I can see them doing that to do a more faithful interpretation. But I don't see them doing that now. I mean, not, not, any, not in any time soon. I think because they want to stay, um, they want to keep the focus on the main storyline of the books right now. I don't, I don't, uh, even if it would be cool, I, I feel I I would prefer for them to have more focus on the on what the story they're trying to craft in season eight. So, yeah. Right. What about you, Rafi? Anything? Well, right now, I mean, I, I think they have the spin-offs lined up already. I think there's the Robert's Baratheon. Uh, yeah. I, I, the R- Robert's Rebellion. I, I think is. Oh, that's still rumored. We know it's a prologue. We know it's going to be something we're going to recognize. So we're not sure. It's probably gonna be the Robust Rebellion, yeah, or the Aegon's Conquest. That would mm-hmm. also mm-hmm. be super mm-hmm. cool. I think both would be super cool. Yeah, I think, <laughs> I think uh, they could they could patent it to like what the what they what Disney's doing right now to the Star Wars universe, where you have like the a movie, the main movie, and then like a prequel movie 
or like a, a nice featurette of like Han Solo's beginnings, oh. Obi Wan story, right. stories within the Star Wars Rogue universe. One. It would be cool. It, that, it would be really interesting. I really interesting. think this franchise is here to stay. I mean, it's such a money-making machine that you just have to just keep it going until it's over. Like, uh, as I said a while ago, it's the biggest thing on television. Mm. It's probably one of the biggest things in pop culture right now. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, any last thoughts before we go? Um, I like how they've left all the storylines now so far with Jamie finally striking out on his own to help the North. Uh, we see the the Starks and Winterfell actually working together. Uh, we see John and Danny um, forming a closer relationship. We see uh, Theon going off to rescue his sister. Uh, I, and and we see that the, the walkers have finally breached the wall. I like where they left everything. I think it forms a really good base for season eight. Yeah, I really I agree with you completely, Nigel. Like one thing I'd like to add is uh the the spectacle here. A lot of people just questioned like how much it's all spectacle, but it was great spectacle. You get the the battle, the the loot the loot uh, the loot train scene with Daenerys flexing her dragons. <laughs> uh, her her flexing Drogon, the Thraki army that you were always like hyped to see, the Dothraki army. In the open field, Ned. Yeah. Nothing can stop that, man. <laughs> like, uh, you also get to see the the armies coming in. Uh, the the East Watch scene where, like, there is just, like, the suicide squad of, like, these, <laughs> these round of characters. Everyone just coming together. The chemistry between the people. They did the chemistry really well. Yeah, that's, that's a big thing. Chemistry between ev- all the actors yeah, is really, really good. And it was set up well. What about you, Rafi? I mean, I, I really agree with you. Like, where else can you see that on television? The CGI, the battles, the suspense, the story, the plot, the romance. Maybe a little bit too much romance. But then, <laughs> <laughs> but then, but then I, I mean, overall, I, I, I think that, man, when, Ga- when Game of Thrones will, will finish, I mean, when Game of Thrones will finish next year, I think I'll be a very sad man. I mean, this has been one of the TV shows that I've really looked forward to seeing every day. And even though this, this, um, this, uh, sorry, not every day, I mean, every Monday, I mean, uh, I think that, um, you know, no other show can compare with this show. Even if if it's been criticized a lot um, this season, I think that what other show has been talked more, uh, more about more other than Game of Thrones? Yeah, I mean, this series is just, like, super fantastic, man. I've, I really enjoyed every episode of, uh, of this season. Uh, even though some parts were leaked and some parts weren't. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, you could say it was a fun ride. Season 7, great. Uh, Alright, so this has been our Game of Thrones Season 7, Episode 7 review. Thanks again for listening to us on the After Credits Podcast. Uh, since it's an instant review, let's try to put it up as soon as possible. Put it in uh, yeah, iTunes, SoundCloud. We'll try to make a YouTube video where it's just the audio as yeah. well. Uh, yeah, with that, let's say thanks again for listening to us on the After Credits Podcast. Uh, we can do another podcast where we just solely focus on Season 8 predictions. Yeah. But we gave our predictions also here as well. And uh, with that, 
Thanks again for listening. I'm your host, Fran Padaja. Joining me today was Nigel Aquino and Rafi Rodas. And we'll see you again. We'll see you guys again next time. Enjoy Game of Thrones, guys. We'll probably do another rewatch or another podcast soon. Peace.